Um, we'll just get started. Uh, first off, I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you guys for joining us this morning um, during our Stay Moving series. This is actually our fifth one that we've done today. So really excited to continually roll this week after week. Um, for the people that are new on the screen um, and with us, um, essentially the Stay Moving series was established five weeks ago as a way for us all to share knowledge and insight um, across industry. Uh, you know, our goal is essentially for everybody here to stay a, a step ahead of the shifting economy. You know, over the last couple of months, we understand that things have been extremely challenging. And so our goal is to find people within um, certain industries to essentially uh, see what they're doing successfully, try to create new ideas from a business, creative, and digital standpoint, and then share them all collectively with every single one of you. Um, the mindset throughout this is for us all to continually think differently and conduct an open dialogue. Each week we are going down a certain vertical, but that doesn't mean that a lot of these ideas won't actually work for, you know, whatever industry you are in per se as well. Um, and then our hopes throughout this whole state moving series is to work together to become stronger on the other side. So one thing that we do have, um, just a heads up as well, is we do have a chat feature. And so as we go throughout this, if you guys have any questions, myself, Nick, or Ben will actually be certain to bring it up. So we do encourage you guys to do that because the way that we roll this is we have an open dialogue um, with our guest speaker today, which I'll introduce in a second. And we actually ask and kind of chat through certain business trends, creative trends, and digital trends. And through that, we have, you know, probing questions that I guarantee you guys will have questions about. So uh, today's topic, you know, really excited to continue going on e-commerce. Um, last week, we had fashion and e-commerce. And this week, we're going to be covering e-commerce, but more specifically with subscription models, which I'm sure a lot of you people have seen, slash probably subscribed to as well. And then we wanted to parallel it to the golf industry. Um, we'll give some industry high-level stats that we think will be important uh, to really set the context from a subscription standpoint and then also from a golf standpoint. Uh, we'll introduce Tad, who is our guest speaker and also a client of ours. Um, we'll go through business trends, creative, digital, and then at the end, we'll do a recap of ideas and have an open Q&A. So just a couple of stats that are pretty powerful to say the least um on you know on the first regard looking at subscription models i guarantee each and every one of us at least have two to three i could tell you i'm on i think four or five different subscription models so um with that the subscription e-commerce market has grown more than 100 percent a year over the past five years right so we've seen a lot of the companies like netflix kind of lead the way um and then other you know direct-to-consumer brands as well uh, they say 49% of shoppers are currently using a subscription service right now. And they say 70% of business executives across industries say that subscription is going to be the key to their future growth. So you can just tell it's a great way from a revenue standpoint, from a month, month after month kind of standpoint for uh, CEOs and COOs to have it on their Rolodex. Um, and then, you know, the second part of it is just really looking at the golf industry. Um, they say 30%. 36 percent of the U.S. population played, watched, or read about golf in 2019. Um, in 2019, approximately 2.6 million people tried golf for the first time. We're starting to see this emerge more and more with Top Golf uh, being in select industries. I think that's a great way for them to get into the sport that has been a little bit more traditional by nature. Um, and then, if you look at the magnitude of the market itself, golf is an 84 billion industry. So as you can tell, it's been something that's been around for a long time, um, but it's just a great industry that's kind of primed for innovation, creativity, and disruption. So uh, very excited and, and proud to have Tad um, with us as well as the CEO at Short Part 4. Um, Tad, if you want to give a quick little intro bio on yourself, and then I'll kick it back to the business trends. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Um, yes, my name is Tad Frost uh, with Short Part 4. been with the company for about five years now, and uh, we're just uh, over six years old. We uh, Celebrated six years in April. Um, originally, I'm an army brat, so moved around a lot as a kid. Uh, my father settled down when I was in eighth grade 
in the Seattle area. So I am, I consider Seattle home, Seattle, everything. Um, and when I was 21, up till 21, got in a little trouble and whatnot. And so I ended up going to school to, um, in San Diego, um, what was formerly called the San Diego golf Academy. Um, that was no four was there for a couple of years. Um, and wanted to get in the golf business to some capacity It just got me out of trouble and whatnot. And all we did, to be honest, was drink golf and smoke. So we, <laughs> we, uh, kind of messed around and whatnot. And, um, over time of being there and understanding the golf business as I really got into it was understanding that there's a lot of hours, um, not a lot of money to be made. And I ultimately just wanted to play just because of the passion. Um, so my then roommate who is now our CEO, Bobby DeMeo is he's from LA and his father did very well for himself. And, um, you know, belong to a country club, Wilshire Country Club in LA and whatnot. So, you know, two years in San Diego, I moved to uh, Phoenix for two and a half years. And then at the end of the, so call it 07, um, I ended up in LA working for him because I'm like, okay, make a lot of money, join a country club and life will be great. Um, ultimately had a, a bunch of friends, that, a couple close friends that we would have conversations of what is success and that's different for everybody, right? If it's financial success, you might hate what you do. And if it's success in doing what you love, you might not be able to get the financial, um, the, the finances behind it to be able to do everything you want. Um, and if you can get the best of both worlds, congratulations, that's, that would be everybody's dream, I think. Um, so ultimately I ended up leaving a six figure paying job, um, to come cross country to Florida. Cause I had had a conversation with Bobby in, I'll retract a little bit in, in 14, September 14, I had a conversation with Bobby said, I'm leaving your dad's business. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll figure it out and whatnot. And they'd start the company in April of 14. And he goes, look, Bobby or Martin and I, his business partner, and goes, we might have something here. We don't know what we can offer you. We don't, there may be an opportunity. Cause I was just going to go back home to Seattle. And I had enough faith in my abilities and personality and work ethic that I'd be fine. Um, long story short, March of 15, uh, I fully then quit the six figure paying job, moved over cross country road trip from LA to Sarasota, Florida, which is just south of Tampa for 10 bucks an hour, um, a free place to stay for a year and a half and a country club membership that cost the business $300 a month. So, you know, it's not commit to them, but it's, um, you know, I, I was single at the time. So fortunately it was a leap of faith, but what's, um, I don't mind taking leaps because at the end of the day, what's the worst thing that can happen? It fails. I learn. I can end up back in Seattle, um, and whatnot. So West coast kid been here for about five years. Um, and I can definitely say that this was hands down the best decision I ever made. Um, when I joined the company, we, if anybody's familiar with trunk club, it's kind of like stitch fix today from the model of you send, we'll send you a subscription box and you can send back whatever you want. And that didn't go very well for us because at the end of the day, we would need, we didn't have a lot of capital. We needed a lot of people to buy more product in order to, um, keep the business going. So when I jumped on board, we actually changed, um, our digital marketing company, um, to a company we still do business with stealth venture labs, um, head, headed up by Brent Freeman and change our model itself to what it is say that you can call it Christmas every month. Um, we put send a box to your door and it's, you get what you get, um, of golf apparel and accessories with the main focus being apparel. Um, for the first year before I was on board, we had less than 200 members when we changed the model and the, um, joined with stealth over the next year and a half, we grew to over 20,000 members very rapidly. We were having new members every seven minutes at our peak. Um, it was a hell of a ride. It's been fun, but we grew a little too fast and we learned a lot through that, through that aspect. So, um, over the course of those time of that time over the last five years, we've, we've dialed it back a little bit, gained a little more control, learned a lot and, and whatnot. So it's kind of awesome. what me in the business. Cool. Thanks for that intro, man. Definitely really exciting to say the least. Going from 200 to 20,000 now a month. 
Um, I think it's extremely impressive, especially, you know, just with golf and it being very seasonal focused, right? Um, I think there's some peaks and valleys within it, right? But that's super out that you guys were able to do that. Um, so the way that we roll this, again, is just we'll be going through business trends. Um, I'll kind of kick this off right now, and then we'll go question by question and go from there. So, um, yeah, as you can tell, right, a lot of research on this, and you know, I'm sure a lot of you guys are aware of that there's been a huge growth in technology used in golf. Um, from GPS technology, swing analysis software, and simulators, um, as you can see, especially right now at home. Um, and I guess the biggest thing, you know, Tab, what are your thoughts on the impact of technology in the golf industry that you're seeing today? It's it's definitely very interesting. Um, I mean, it's it's growing in in every way possible. I mean, you look at the technology of being able to kind of the the two left swing pictures is is providing data um, of yardages, swing speeds, everything like. That it's all numbers. So the that information is very interesting. Um, you know, and obviously on the, the putting green on the right side. Um, it, for those that love the game of golf, um, it's an addiction. It's something that you think about constantly and you constantly want to go play no matter what you're doing. Um, to Ben's comment earlier, it's like it's like you do it, but you feel bad because you should be working while everybody else is stuck at home and, and whatnot. But it's 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 a, it's, a, it's an obsession from a perspective of trying to improve and get better in any way you can with the features. Yeah. That are out there. So I think the second thing um, in regard to that is, you know, looking at new golf e-commerce brand, apparels, clubs, course, and at-home products. Um, how do you foresee some of the pro shops starting to adopt e-commerce um, with that as well, right? Because a lot of in your industry, there's a lot more like less of lifestyle brands, and now there's just like a ton of them. So how are you seeing some of these pro shops adopt with the e-commerce side of things? Yeah, I mean, to be honest. It's, it's kind of interesting. I think some of the pro shops um, are still trying to figure out how to approach it, to be honest. If you go into a pro shop, it's a, all they're really doing is just taking product and just moving it around from one place to another to kind of change the look. Um, one thing that you will see more often are t-shirts at the shop representing the clubs, which I think is always, which is good because it is more lifestyle. So um, that is happening. Country clubs that do have like gyms and everything like that, they'll promote, promote more of those. Um, but to be honest, on the e-commerce side of things, I don't know how much, I haven't seen a, a drastic change as far as pushing e-commerce aspects outside of just getting out of season sales, which is very intriguing to me um, because that's a huge revenue for the head pro. The head pro usually gets a percentage of shop sales. Yeah, that's definitely really, I mean, it just shows like there's always an opportunity in every little market and that seems like a great place to kind of probe in there. Um, I think this is something that we all can relate to, right? Is just the popularity of golf experiences, the top golf, pop stroke, which with Tiger Woods, um, and then Drive Shack. Um, how are you kind of seeing this more so impact people um, who not, weren't necessarily into the game of golf, but are starting to do it? And then how do you feel that it's impacting the traditional side of things? Um, it's huge, obviously, for the industry. Uh, we've actually been fortunate enough to partner up with Top Golf before the pandemic hit, and. Um, for us, if you look at the stats of Top Golf, I want to say it's like seventy-five to eighty percent of the people that actually go there are not even golfers. So it, it opens up uh, a new quote-unquote addiction, or at least a, a potential passion to the game. Um, it's kind of made it quote-unquote cool. Um, you know, Tiger obviously helped with that perspective, uh, but it's definitely good for the business and the industry. Um, and from the perspective of just kind of what traditional golf is versus what it is today, um, a lot of people today when they go golf are blaring music. It's a lot more enjoyable from that perspective versus what it used to be and not to say it wasn't fun, but it's just a lot more, it's a lot looser, if you will. And I think a top golf, you know, top stroke and drive shack companies like that help bring that experience, but it also, you know, it, it's a game that's struggling and they need the revenue in the business and this helps bring the revenue to the industry.
yeah, I think this did such a good job of getting people, you know, like myself who aren't necessarily avid. Um, and then I think there's the other side of it, right? Is that traditionally golf, you know, it takes three to four hours, right? So, you know, you're expecting a half day. Um, and I just love that you can kind of get in and out and it's just a lot more, I think, interactive and just obviously with the, you know, the younger demo ourselves, right? Um, you know, attention spans aren't as high. And so hanging out somewhere for four or five hours just isn't as realistic anymore, for sure. And if I can add in there as well, I think um, there's a, a huge learning curve with golf that, you know, people probably a lot of the time are afraid to to move with. Like, you know, you've got that initial going to the golf course. If you've never played before, there's a really low chance that you're going to be able to get through a round um, without like holding up people or holding up groups. And I think there's just a certain, um, you know, learning curve that comes with that. So I think that sort of opens the door for people who have never played, you know, golf before to kind of learn, um, you know, get the gist of how you swing the club and hold the club and some of the rules and, and you know, the etiquette that comes with, you know, the golf and the traditional sport that, uh, you know, you may not have necessarily had five years ago. And yeah. even to that point, even the embarrassment, right? If, if you're on the golf course, you've never been there, you're embarrassed as hell because you feel like all eyes are on you. 100%. You are the top golf. There's a ton of people that have never done it and you kind of let loose and you don't care as much. And I think that also helps the, the mindset tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think too, this kind of goes to show um, in every single market, right? There's kind of the, the lower entry to market, right? And I think this is such a good way to get people in um, and to kind of take those people from, you know, they want to be involved with golf to actually understand it, like the etiquette and stuff like that. Um, and I think we used to see this a lot more of like putt-putt and like mini golf and stuff like that. But this is, I feel like that next level to kind of adopt for a lot of people to kind of get them into the industry. Um, and I think it's, there's something to learn about that, right? I mean, you look at like the Coachellas and all the music festivals and all that, very experienced driven. Um, you know, every industry has an opportunity to have that experiential fact to it. And now this is, you know, golf's next point. So definitely really interesting to see that. Um, the last thing is, you know, new business models disrupting the industry, i.e. yourself, um, you know, with subscription. And I think, you know, you guys were definitely one of the first to, to kind of get in the game, um, which is, you know, obviously attributed to a lot of your guys' success to date. Um, can you talk us through, you know, like, are the majority of your customers actual, like, diehard golf fans and enthusiasts, or do you have some that aren't? Uh, what does that relationship kind of look like for you? Yeah, majority of them are. Um, one thing we also try to promote is a lifestyle with the product that you're going to get, because a lot of today's world, um, is business casual. So you can take a collar shirt like I have on and wear Sorry. Um, to answer your question, I mean, at the end of the day, it's. I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Can you re ask the question? Oh, subscription. Gotcha. Yeah, majority of our members at the end of the day are are golfers. And we do promote the lifestyle because. That is something when you look at the business casual of going into the office, not everybody, if we look at um, a bunch of people used to, if we look at our, our parents' generation, for example, for those that are my age, if you will, you, you, they would wear a suit and a tie. Today, it's a lot more acceptable to go in with a polo, a pullover. You don't necessarily have to have a button up. A lot more people are working from home. Obviously, the pandemic's a little different, but um, it's, it's good for the business from that perspective. Um, but they are avid golfers more, more or less, to be honest. Um, and they, what name brands they don't want smaller brands they don't want um they don't want uh, uh, i'm going to use the best example if you have this shirt that is nike and we've been sure bar four makes this shirt and it's the exact same shirt they will convince themselves that the nike shirt is different material different fabric um and whatnot and that's just good for nike and i hate to use them as the best example because i'm not a fan of them personally but um they have a they have a cold following uh, but it could be under Armor, it could be Adidas and whatnot, they will convince themselves that it is a better 
um, brand. And that's that's a, what our membership wants um, is the apparel and product. Yeah, awesome. All right, I'll kick it off to you, Ben, on the creative side. Yeah, so um, kicking off with the creative trends, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of golf brands establishing their business, especially now in create creativity via social media. You know, instructional videos like you showed us here at your shop, um, you know, shooting content right now, um, podcasts, interviews being shared, social media challenges, shop challenges. Can you talk about a short part four's approach to social media? Yeah, I mean, so digital marketing is everything for us. Um, digital is where we get our membership. We are, we push big on Facebook. Um, that's where the majority of our membership comes, um, is that digital creative. And so from, from that perspective, it's it's pushing the social media aspect as well. Obviously, Instagram probably more than anything else for us. Um, it's important uh, because in today's world, because the individual has maybe less than half a second to get their attention uh, with how we're scrolling through Instagram and, or TikTok or whatever it may be, um, the creative behind it is, is really, really important. Um, and it's just brand awareness, whatnot. Um, as you see on the far left screen, uh, we recently and due to the pandemic have been delayed, but we started a digital magazine. Our, our objective with the magazine is to do something different than anybody's ever done. It's a little edgy. It's a little, um, against the traditional golf aspect, but that's what golf has become today. If you look at, um, strictly Instagram, if you look at social media from that perspective of what golf has become, it's the trick shots and the the company called Golf Gods, the Vulgarness, and with um, Travis and PGA memes. It's not your traditional golf. It's poking fun and, and whatnot, and um, building these relationships and having the conversations. As you know, we mentioned of having um, Ryan here, Coach Rusty, to shoot content for our next magazine. It's it's very important, and it's just constantly trying to get creative to keep the attention. Because I think at the end of the day, and I don't mean to be rude by this, but I'm going to use Rusty is a perfect example. A lot of his stuff becomes the same. You look at only one trick shots. You look at GM golf. A lot of these guys, they create a niche and it's great and it's hot for a minute, but what are they doing as individuals to now change up what they're doing to keep the attention coming their way to where they can build on their brand? And I think that's very, very important for us, hence doing the magazine, because at, at some point, and I'm going to use myself as a perfect example, like I've seen it. I don't need to see another trick shot. I don't need to see another flop shot with a one and I, I, I get the gist like what's next give me something else that's intriguing or like oh shit that's cool um and that's where it's massively important to continue to push the mold or excuse me push the boundaries in regard in that regards yeah. now going to the the courses you know we see brands um killing it and consumers having fun and killing it in terms of the content what about courses um you know we know pebble august you know augusta tory pines but these other emerging private and public courses, you know, some are still in that archaic mode of not creating content and having, you know, one guy at the pro shop, but they're still not figuring out ways to grow their business. Um, how important is it, do you think, for courses to, to kind of get on par with what brands are doing? Yeah, you know, I honestly don't know. Um, I think they still, going back to the, the pro shop yeah. aspect of things, I think it is still archaic. And I don't know what way these clubs can really get aggressive and creative enough to where it's going to attract more people to them outside of those that are already on tour and whatnot. So if you take your, your normal immunity golf course, I don't know if there's enough people, you know, and again, our, our, our parents age, if you want, those guys aren't on social media looking for golf courses of where to play. They just know they want to play and they'll go to, go to um, 
a search engine and, and find a golf course to go play. I think it's just that simple. So I don't, I don't know if there's, right. I, there's gotta be something there. Right. But I don't know what it is. And I don't think anybody's really doing anything about it because it, I don't know if there's a true advantage to pay an individual call it 30, 35,000 to, to manage a social media account, to drive the revenue, to pay for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a, as an aggregator for the high quality apparel brands, which golf brands are you seeing that are crushing it right now? Um, I mean, your Puma's always, Puma's really killing it with the younger demographic. Um, there's a lot of influencer, influencers out there that push Puma. And Puma's done a great job with those influencers and pushing their brand. So it's very strategic from that perspective. So that's probably a brand you see everywhere just because they're all over social media. Um, Under Armour's doing well. Travis Matthew is actually growing, um, growing in itself. They were bought out by Callaway for $100 million not too long ago. Um, companies like Linksville or Slow is a smaller company. They're out of Carlsbad. They're slowly bringing their, their brands up. Um, so it, it's very interesting because it's a very saturated market. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, you, your name brands are still killing it uh, from that perspective. And, and companies like Link Soul, Travis Matthew are growing and, and, and Callaway obviously being one of the bigger brands. And, and pivoting, you know, Josh talked about it in terms of the golf experiences. We're also hearing we talk about, you know, shorter games, uh, specifically my, my actual my, my brother-in-law has a 12-hole course in Pittsburgh, and we're seeing more of those, you know, three-hole courses, the 12-hole, just because of the fact that, hey, I get out of work at 5 o'clock, I don't yeah. have half hours to spare. Um, what do you, what's your thought about this, and what do you think the, the benefit of this, of having shorter games, um, will help the long-term health of golf? I think it's weird, for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, my immediate thought is, we'll just go play nine, why well, do you got to play 12? Um but at the same time, I think it's it's good for the game of golf because at the end of the day, it helped grow the brand. It helped grow our sport that we that we love. So, um, you know, for me personally, you know, some people like to work out. They like to go surfing or bike rides, whatever. Like, that's my like for me, it's my escape. It's something I try to do once a week if I'm fortunate enough to. I have a seven month old at home, so it's, okay. I don't get to do it as much. But it's it's my escape where I can literally take away the last two weeks of just grinding in here, moving warehouses and trying to play catch up behind the computer, but where I can literally just kind of just be in my yoga, if you will, my Zen state. Um, so anything that I think that grows the grain, the game, excuse me. Um, and obviously for us selfishly, that can help grow our business uh, because we obviously want to promote the game of golf, not from just a passion, but you know, I, I like what I do and uh, hopefully we can keep making, making some money off of it, but bringing in revenue. Right. And uh, the last creative point, you know, I've been seeing a lot of research about on-course um, centric businesses, you know, trying to keep people engaged on courses. I've seen drone delivery businesses servicing high quality foods. You talked about this earlier, um, and, and I believe Greg Norman invested in a company to elevate the music and more of the interactive experience in terms of like on the golf cart. Um, you know, looking to the future of golf, you know, what, what do you think is the, the creative trend that may, might help millennials be a little more engaged and, and maybe something that they haven't tried out yet. I think it's exactly that. Um, I'll give an example. There's a gentleman by the name of Ben Herman that belongs to a club here. He's never worked a day of his life. He's a trust fund baby that inherited a ton of money. He bought a club called Silverleaf in Scottsdale. That is a very high-end golf club, but we were fortunate enough to go out and play, play it a couple months ago. Um, and all the cards had speakers in it with Bluetooth. So you connected to Bluetooth that had the chargers like – he had after certain holes he had basically in golf after nine holes you have a spot where you can a snack shack where you can get food or drinks something like that he ultimately created two snack shacks on the front nine and back nine where he crossed through several times where it's drinks it's candy it's food it's snacks like that kind of stuff 
is attracting. That that makes me even want to go to the golf course more. Like I'm going to go to that golf course more so than I'm going to go to a golf course that doesn't have the speakers or it doesn't have the shot to where it just creates a just a cool ambiance um, to where there's a TV that had that if you're playing on the weekend that has a TV that has sports on or you know anything that us guys or even, even girls love and want to know updates of games and whatever it is because West Coast kid. The best advantage of being out here, even though I miss the West Coast, is being able to golf in the morning and not miss football at one o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only outside of that I miss the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. I love it. Um, well, hopefully too, we can make the uh, seven-month-year-old a caddy. So you know, you can, uh, call a few more days. Um, yeah, I'll pass it to you, Ben, for the digital trend. Thank you, mate. Oh, let me unpause. Oh, let me unmute it. <clears throat> Thank you, mate. Um, Cool. So kind of getting into the digital trends, we're looking at, you know, everything online from websites, digital marketing, social media, pretty much everything that's that's desktop mobile friendly uh, in the golf space. Uh, and Tad, I think firstly, just looking at the website, you know, you guys redid your website. For those of you who don't know, um, you know, we got involved with Short Par 4 to help them with some of their branding and website experience. Uh, and I'm curious from your perspective, how important has that online experience been for you know, customers, whether they're new or returning and, and how does that really affect, um, you know, you guys as a business? Yeah, it's very important. And I think it's ever evolving in regards to the, the verbiage and the information you're relaying, you know, constantly changing the imagery, just trying to um, relay the story of who we are or what we offer, not just as a business. Um, it's definitely very, very important. Yeah. And what were some of like the priorities for you guys when you were redoing the website? Um, you know, was it really focused on new customers, existing customers? Like what were some of the, the high end things you wanted to focus on? Yeah, I would definitely say new more than existing um, because, you know, that we do have a pretty high turnover from that perspective. But at the same time, I mean, you know, it's, it's just you want to be able to go somewhere and you don't have to dig for who you are so you know i would because new acquisition is so important for us we want to make it as seamless as possible now i think that's the thing that we still need to continue to improve on and and constantly review on the website regarding verbiage and whatnot but on the flip side of that the, our biggest challenge and one of my main focuses for 2020 is is the existing membership i mean it's yeah. in my opinion if you if you give the proper customer experience to the existing member, then you don't have to necessarily fight so hard for the new member and you can, it's a lot cheaper to, you know, your, your, your CPA on a new customer is a lot higher than it is for an existing company or customer. Cause you already have them, right? You already spent the CPA and, and whatnot. So one of my biggest challenges that I'm working on now is, is getting that customer experience. And for us, that's our, that's our online platform. Um, that is a major, major focus for us as far as building the online, online platform to where now as a short part four member, you're able to get access to product at a phenomenal price. Um, as, you know, the Bouvetta guys know, I mean, we're looking at a member type pricing to where now you log in, you get a, even a better discount than what is already online for us. Because, you know, we look at ourselves as a subscription company. But one thing that we've learned recently is that the e-commerce side is going to be a major, major role of our business. And a lot of that goes to our existing membership, um, because we want to be able to offer product to them that at a price that they can't get elsewhere, because you're a member of Short Par 4. We want to create that family and that offering very similar to Costco, right? Um, people go to Costco because they know they can get something at a price that you can't get anywhere else. And they're willing to pay a subscription for it, um, a subscription amount, excuse me, uh, for it, um, for that offering. Yeah. And I, I think a big thing with you guys, you know, you guys are golf, your e-commerce, your subscription. Um, I, I think a big thing that a lot of these businesses that we see in the golf industry is kind of trending towards convenience, right? Like having your online bookings and being able to book online instead of having to call the pro shop and make a booking. 
Um, you see obviously a ton of e-commerce brands that are coming up in the market, whether it's apparel or products. Um, and then you guys being subscription, I feel like a lot of it comes down to just the convenience of having these services available where you don't have to physically go somewhere or make a call and things like that. Um, you know, from your perspective, how much of the business is really focused around that convenience aspect from subscription and, and customers and, and what other factors kind of do customers love in the, in the short path or brand? It's, it's everything. Um, our model for, for those that have seen my signature, like our, our model that we focus on is value, convenience and style. Uh, that's who we are as a brand as those are the three things we stand by. Um, because you know, I hate to say it this way, but if you look today's generation and who we are and the accessibility we have with technology, um, we're one lazy. We don't want to leave the house. We don't want to go shopping. We'd rather just order something on our for the Amazon effect. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just easier that way. Um, you know, and it is very convenient when I, Using using Amazon, right? I, I need this. I can order it. Amazon Prime will be here in it tomorrow. Um, there's a convenience there. So, you know, and obviously for us, the style is hugely important because of what we're offering from the golf apparel side of things. And then, obviously, from the the um, the um, the value of what you're getting. Sorry, I had to think about that. Um, and the value of what you're getting. Um, you know, our our bread and butter subscription is the fairway subscription, which is a fifty dollars subscription. You're going to get over a hundred dollars of retail value. Yeah. Um, you can't get that anywhere else. And that's, that's where that comes into play. So it's, it's massively important to who we are as a business. Yeah. It sounds like it's like a good combination of like value people being able to save money on, uh, on the items that they buy or they purchase or gets delivered. The subscription side, um, is more on the convenience side, but it's like obviously a, a ton of value drivers for you guys, which is great. Um, you know, the next thing I think that I've seen you guys have done a lot of, uh, in the past has been partnerships, whether it's with athletes, like you said, you've got coach rusty in there today. Um, you know, how important has that been? And, and we've talked with a lot of brands, I think that, that really can leverage this type of relationship, but how important has this been for you guys to grow as a brand, you know, both on social and, and both in terms of just driving revenue? Uh, very important. Um, you know, these relationships are huge for us because at the end of the day, um, trying to get creative, you know, we were fortunate enough when we got into the digital ad advertising um, on Facebook to where it was cheap before it is what it is today, uh, before the pandemic. Um, it has gotten very, very saturated. It's become very, very expensive and Facebook has capitalized on it, on it as they should. Um, so for us, it's getting creative to building the partnerships with, um, a coach Rossi, the influencers, some, you know, we have, we have, we have professional football kickers like a Jake Elliott and a Will Lutz, um, for these major companies or obviously NFL teams, but, um, it's just at the end of the day, it's just trying to have a different eyeball because at the end of the day, Facebook's gonna, the hard part about Facebook is it's, you're retargeting. Unfortunately, you're kind of resurfacing the same people. And if you look at um, things we've done in, with partnerships, um, you know, all uh, a couple that we did that put on tournaments, um, you know, we're only gonna do a sponsorship for their tournaments so often because at the same time, when you're spending five, $10,000 for a sponsorship to over the course of a, a year or two, it's still the same audience. So you know, unfortunately you can't continue that sponsorship, even though you create great relationships, you can't continue to do those events with those people because you've capitalized on the opportunity to build the business from there. So you're, you have to constantly create new relationships as, as well. And, you know, fortunately we're able to keep the existing relationships by doing features within magazines and whatnot. So it's, yep. it's, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about, you know, the golf course is obviously being one of the more traditional aspects of the golf industry in general, right? Like they're, they're very, Kind of brick and mortar in the pro shop sense they're generally the employees or the workers or the community there even players as well is generally on the the older demographic um but in terms of partnerships on the golf course side i've kind of thought of 
know, what about if, if bringing younger players and more millennial type players into the game, um, is there value in potentially partnering up with say local influencers? Like for example, Paige Spirinak does a lot of stuff with the Myrtle Beach area and a lot of the golf courses that they have out there. Is there value having more of a local influencer or a group of golfers that can bring awareness to golf courses? Or do you think it's a bit, a bit more of a stretch? No, I think there definitely is value there. Um, I think it, it comes down to the strategy behind it when you're having the conversations. You know, for us, for us from a local perspective, it makes no sense, right? Just because we are nationwide as far as our offering goes. Right. Uh, but as far as promoting the game and the value to the courses, hundred um, percent. Myrtle Beach has this thing called the World Am that we're that we're a partner with, where they literally have, hold the biggest golf tournament of the year, and they have three thousand people come in, and they use over fifty plus golf courses over the course of a week, and with and Paige is, is a huge supporter of that. Uh, um, it, it's it's very interesting from that perspective, uh, but it's for sure it's important because it's good for the, the revenue of the city, the revenue of the golf course. Because unfortunately, golf is a a dying breed to a certain a dying sport to a certain extent. And to be honest, the only reason it, it hasn't as died as much as it could is Tiger Woods. I mean, it's just that simple. The resurgence of what he's accomplished and what he's done is phenomenal. Um, but there's no. If you look at the game of golf today, there's nobody that attracts an individual, regardless of the age, you know, because a lot of these kids, I was in, in 99 when he was at his height, I was a sophomore in high school. Um, so anybody that's younger than me doesn't know the good old Tigers, like real, unless they're really into it and grew up with yeah. it, they don't know the Tiger, the Tiger of old until what they see today. But they see it because their friends see it because Tiger's cool and who he is and the history of being able to see the great one. And But when he, there's, if you look at past Tiger's generation, there's nobody that does that moves the needle the way he, he does for the game. So, you know, speaking candidly, it's going to be very interesting what happens to the game of golf from a golf course perspective, a revenue perspective of the business of golf, what it's going to be once Tiger is done because Ricky doesn't do it. Jordan Spieth doesn't do it. Bubba doesn't do it. Brooks, Brooks has the personality of just, I don't care. And that's attractive to a lot of people, but because he doesn't care, he'll never be a Tiger. Right. And there, there's nobody that moves the needle. That, that part is scary for our game. Of, of what the future holds for the scenario you just referenced of the golf courses like in the areas like a Myrtle beach, where there's, it's one of the meccas of, of having golf courses in the, in the closest proximity in the country. Yeah. And I, I think what, what's interesting here is like the, the culture of golf has really been transformed over the last like five, 10 years. Right. And I think especially through digital, like I, I talk a lot about brands that are being built solely off e-commerce and social media and being able to drive revenue through, Instagram content, you know, you've got this huge meme culture with PGA memes uh, and a ton of different brands that literally just share hilarious videos on golf carts and, and you know, people drinking and, and you know, having fun with their buddies um, really, I think, opens the door to new audiences to get involved with with golf um, and really be able to associate themselves with this kind of kind of changing culture. Um, I'm curious from you guys uh, perspective, you know, you've got your Titleists, your TaylorMades that are much more professional focused, you know, high level gameplay. And then you've got your PGA memes, your uh, your meme accounts, and different funny golf accounts. Where does short par four sit on that spectrum of you know fun social golfer and, and serious athlete? Um, I, I would say we're right in the middle. We probably are closer to the PGA meme side of it. Um, hence, if you guys get a chance, check out our digital magazine. Um, we do have it on our website. We promote it on social media. We also have, have because of the magazine, we've started um, podcasting and videos. Uh, a YouTube page or whatnot. Uh, like, but we did an interview with Travis and PJ Means and his story. We did the interview with Golf Gods. Golf Gods is another one. Like, th those guys are just no Fs given, just <laughs> yeah. pushing the mold of what they are. And I'm not going to go into the specifics of it, but I mean, they are, they push it. Um, and it was very interesting having a conversation and whatnot. But 
they're also a successful business for a reason, right? So they're doing something that is right to a certain extent that's attracting a certain type of audience to the game, which ultimately is good for the game. Uh, but if you look at a, a title as FootJoy, Akusha is the parent company. They are traditional as it gets, as you mentioned. Um, we, us trying to get an account with with them is, is difficult because they want they want a green grass shop, which means they want they want the doors to be open to where people can walk in and purchase product. It's it's very it's very it's very interesting. But you know what? They also dominate the foot space. They dominate the golf ball space. And they're the biggest company by far in the golf space. So they're able to, to stick their, their their feet down. But when I've had conversations with people about that, um, about that company, they are a very old, their, their reps are old, an older generation where they're kind of stuck in their ways. And it, I personally think it's going to come back and bite them to a certain capacity um, to where it's going to hurt some revenue. They'll be fine, obviously, but because they have all these country clubs and, and, and golf shops that they can still do revenue with and, is a huge aspect of their business, but uh, it still is going to be a loss of revenue of what it could be if they would adjust accordingly to who, who we are today as a society. Yeah, awesome. Um, and I'll get in, uh, Brianna posted a couple of questions, which I'll jump into in a second. Um, but just to finish off the digital side, um, you know, you guys do a ton of advertising. You mentioned you're doing Facebook and, and Instagram, obviously, you know, those are big drivers for you guys. Um, what other platforms have you guys utilized? I see, I've seen you've done some Google ads in the past. Is there other platforms you guys have found successful for, you know, driving new customers, existing customers and things like that? Yeah, we, we've messed with a little bit of that. The Google ads, the, the Instagram marketing, you know, the Instagram ads, well, uh, but Facebook is, is ultimately our biggest push. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to grow our database, um, over the last several years towards a, a pretty big number and, you know, our database and our membership, those that are loyal are strong. We did a, you know, in this time of, of the pandemic, um, you know, we're not able to bring in temps to help us. And we're fortunate enough that golf is considered essential. Um, the advantage of being an e-commerce business is that uh, people are stuck at home, they're bored, they're drinking, and they just need something to do to where uh, we have not been affected by this. Um, purchases, are, our sales are the same. We did an e-commerce, a flash sale um, last week and for four days, where we had a bunch of excess product and ultimately did very, very, very well versus what we expected to do, taking a percentage of that, giving it back to um, charity being John Hopkins. That's near and dear to our heart for a personal reason. But, um, you know, it's, 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 I wouldn't say take advantage is not the right word to use of the situation, but people, you know, there's an opportunity to make money with our type of business because of the e-commerce business and how it's growing so much. Um, and when people are stuck at home, there's, not much else to do. And I have friends that said the same thing. He goes, yeah, I'm clearing a bottle, a half a bottle of tequila and just buying a bunch of stuff on your website. <laughs> hey. It's always good to hear. Nice. Uh, but to answer your question, Facebook has really been our bread and butter and we haven't really gotten away from it, but it is using the different audiences to get creative um, in pushing our, our brand out there, like I referenced earlier. Awesome. Thank you, mate. And I've got a couple of questions from Brianna. Um, you know, firstly, she's wondering about how you guys manage relationships with suppliers, inventory, pricing structures. Um, I guess just from a high level is that, you know, you guys have a pretty good system down pat for that and finding new suppliers and, and partners, or is it an ongoing sort of process? Um, it's, it's constantly ongoing. I mean, it's from a high level, we, we have a, we have our buyer, we have our uh, business relationship, uh, VP of business relationship that is, so our buyer, obviously he's going out and he's, he's having the relationships with the different vendors for products. So, you know, on a given month, we're sending out 60, anywhere from 40 to 80,000 units a month, give or take. 
uh, to our full membership. So with that said, we used to buy all clothes out because that was easy to fill and we could do it well. At those numbers, uh, if these companies have that kind of stock, um, then they did something very wrong with their business model and their strategy, which just doesn't happen. So we're we're buying product, we're signing, we're, we're getting samples and we're making a decision of what product we want anywhere from three to six months out, depending on the lead time for the brand. Um, so from the buying side, that's kind of how it's built out. We have projections that give us the best numbers to to be within the 5% shortage or overage of where we want to be. We've, you know, we've done this for six years, so we have a pretty good idea of what our numbers are. They've been consistent over the years. Um, so uh, from an inventory standpoint, as I referenced, that's, if we can be within 5%, that's a blessing. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have, well, we're not within that because back in the day, we would overproject and have a ton of overages. Um, we do a sale like we recently did where it brings in a decent amount of revenue, but it also... Revenue is great from a cash flow perspective, but at the same time, what did you buy that product Profit. for? So are you really just yeah. bringing in cash because you need you, 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 you in the warehouse? Um, uh, uh, which is a big challenge inventory perspective as well. Um, as I previously mentioned um, before we got started, when we started the company, we did fulfillment here and we outsourced it because it was just a pain. Um, and then it became a pain when it was outsourced. So we ultimately brought it back in-house, which is the best thing we could have ever done because of inventory management control product. Uh, customer experience of hey what's a, a logistic issue a wrong size shipping issue whatever it may be now we can go to the back of the warehouse and have an individual take care of that member like that like customer experience is massive in today's world because at the end of the day if you can't take care of the member from a customer experience perspective they can go somewhere else because the world the offering from the e-commerce side is continuously growing and there's 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 no reason they can't go anywhere else you know yeah so, yeah great um, points and i think as far as pricing, the, pricing, the pricing is a battle for sure um because corrugated boxes continue to get expensive and, and shipping continues to go up. Gas continues to go up, obviously not at this point where, you know, at some point we have to get creative of how can we like, yeah, the best way to get revenue is raise the cost of the subscription, but at the same time, like, is that worth it? Um, because of the, the, of the offering we have to the membership and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and I think a really good question, Brianna had just a follow-up question um, that I think is something we've talked about a lot lately is kind of the, the balance between, you know, people having less money at the moment based on everything that's going on. People are being a little bit more frugal um, and conservative with the money that they're spending. But at the same time, people are spending a ton more time on e-commerce, uh, you know, online, on social media and, and sort of getting exposed to these new brands. Um, have you guys seen like a significant change in subscriptions? Like have you seen more website traffic and less conversions? Uh, and also, is this a good time for, for people to start looking at, at maybe starting an e-commerce business because there's more online activity? Yeah, I mean, definitely the traffic is up. Um, we've been, we've probably gotten, we've probably received more new members this month than previous months wow. because of that. Um, obviously, referring to our sale we did, um, it's, it's, people are sitting at their computers. It's, just that simple. I mean, we, we sent a mass email to the membership and that's where we were able to create the revenue from the existing product. Um, as far as starting an e-commerce platform, I mean, in my personal opinion, I mean, if you have something that you believe in that makes sense and you think there's a hole, go for it. I mean, to be honest, even if you don't think there's a hole, there's no reason you can't do something that other companies are doing if you believe in, in what you have um, and in the brand that you have. Um, there's multiple cell phone companies that do the same thing. There's multiple, you know, there's, there's multiple, re- you go to a restaurant, there's multiple options, right? Um, so in my opinion, it doesn't have to be something that's unique to just you that nobody else offers. There's no reason there can't be three, four, five plus businesses offering the same thing. Because at the same time, everybody looks at each individual business as a value. So for sure. I mean, look, the, 
the internet world is not going away anytime soon. So, and there's going to be a con people are going to continue to get creative and businesses are going to continue to grow from the e-commerce platform. So I mean, for sure. Yeah. I don't see why not. Yeah. Now's a better time than ever. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say, uh, I, I think knowing the longevity of what, what you're trying to achieve in an e-commerce business side, if you're looking to launch something, you've got to obviously be thinking the long term about after, you know, all of this stuff with, with COVID-19 and, and, and all this stuff, once it's over, obviously you've, you've got to have that separating factor in the business. Um, but in terms of launching a business now, as opposed to six months ago or in six months time, I think there's a ton of opportunities because online consumption is, is there and people are looking for something to do, but uh, you know, it obviously takes time to, to build a, an e-commerce platform and a brand and things like that and, and do all the media. But um, yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. I think it's a good, good time to, to look into that. Josh, I'm going to hand it over to you if you want, mate, just to wrap things up. Yeah, I just have one question too, I think a little bit more tactically. Um, so as we know, there's there's multitude of types of content, um, whether it's video, photo, carousel, you name it. And I know that's something that you guys have done a great job at. You're always experimenting. Uh, is there anything you've kind of found being more successful, right? When you look at like video um, advertising versus, you know, single image when you're looking at conversions? It's so funny you asked that. Um, we're, we're still, so we hired um, our director, of marketing recently we, we originally hired him as uh, our content guy and he took over the marketing role and whatnot and so and this is actually something that we're really trying to learn and figure out what makes the most sense for our company and, and get creative um and since he's come on board our uh, if you went to it and i hate to say this but i'm gonna be honest if you went to our instagram page and you scroll through previous posts there's nothing that describes who we are there's no consistency anything because at the end of the day in today's world for the business we are at the growth at the level we are and i would say this for any business like you need to have a clear direction in all aspects from operations from marketing from digital um from a customer service like it, it is it is hard as a small company to be able to do it properly because of the time that it takes for every individual aspect of the business and that's something we learn and as we grow we try to address it and so big this topic being one of them um that's something we're trying to figure out what makes most sense so the picture you actually have up right now that video um, that video actually did very, very well for us. And for those that don't know it, it's just a little video of just says, do you want to look like this when looking like this? It's just a comparison to like different aspects of how you want to look versus how you feel and, and the convenience to it and whatnot. I can't explain it properly, but that video did great when in the past we've always done still images. Um, so we were shocked when we realized how well that video did as far as the customer acquisition aspect went, um, which makes us kind of, get a little more creative and kind of change how we're how we're doing our digital advertising awesome cool um well yeah thank you um so i think just what we'd like to do is and we'll send out a, a recap of everything as well um because our goal here is we just want to take all the insight that we learned today um and then pass it off to each and every one of you but so the biggest thing the new ideas right is that like we challenge you guys to think about this um, what new business models are being disrupted in the industry and how can you potentially use subscription as a competitive advantage um, in your traditional brand or company that you're working with? Um, we all know that golf experiences are booming. Um, that's needless to say that there's other industries and verticals that can adapt that type of mentality. What type of content can we create? Um, what type of imagery can we create to kind of permeate that? You said the pro shops are hurting um, when it comes to content building brands. What can we all do collectively as creatives and marketers to, to create solutions and systems for them to be more successful? Um, looking at the courses, creating new ways to fit the millennial lifestyle. I think this is something we can say that stretches across a lot of things, but the attention span is one, right? You know, there's a lower attention span. So what are different ways that we can create, um, with that, you know, looking at collaboration partnerships. Um, I think you guys have done a great job when you're looking at the 
larger tech partnerships, um, you're very aligned with the PGA of America. You're very aligned with, you know, the type of people that you actually work with. So, you know, when you're looking at an issue and developing out that ecosystem, who are key partners on a local, regional, and a national level that you can partner with and create content around, um, which is something we didn't really get addressed as much. But um, I know you guys have worked with existing, um, you know, uh, customers themselves and created photo shoots around them. You've created content. And that really helps bring them in. And really, at the end of the day, it's all about your average order value and it's about your customer acquisition. So how do you take both of those and marry it as a way to build more brand loyalty? Um, the last two uh, is just focusing on your online experience and then building brands entirely on social media and getting that consistency factor. So hopefully you guys found this extremely valuable. Um, you know, I know we are like six minutes after, so we do very much appreciate it. It, um, I do want to just leave like four minutes if you're cool with that. If anybody has any question, please write in the chat. Um, you know, Tad, thank you again. I cannot thank you enough for even coming and taking an hour and then everybody as well. And hopefully you guys found this very valuable for you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you, Tad. Tad, I have one question. Uh, I know you said you started this journey like five, six years ago without any clear idea. You moved from LA to Florida, like just hopping right into this uh, business. Five, six years ago, what's one thing you would tell yourself um, now looking back? Um, wow, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> honestly, there's, there's, if, if there's, if you want, honestly, there's no reason to have any doubt. Like, but in my younger years, I had a lot of insecurity of worrying about others' opinions. At the end of the day, the only opinion that matters is yours and those that are closest to you. So, um, I, the biggest, it's just don't be afraid to take a risk. Um, what's the worst thing that can happen? Um, you learn from it. Um, you know, because of this journey, I've fallen into, a, a position in a company that I absolutely love. I found my wife. I had a baby. I mean, I, the, the hardest part for me is being from Seattle. So I'm, it's a longer trip from my family. But outside of that, technology is phenomenal to where I can do it. It's just don't be afraid to go after something. Um, there's, you, can't, you can only learn from failures, right? You can only learn from mistakes. Um, it's, that's what I would probably say it's it's hands down the best decision I ever made um, and I was fortunate enough to come have some friends to have conversations with to help me in that direction of making the decision to take the leap because what's the worst thing that can happen my original plan yeah. yeah exactly well cool I think that's I don't see any questions so I think we're done um, and then yeah if you guys have any other questions or, or whatnot after this feel free just to reach out to me and then I can chat with Todd directly and get back to you um, yeah, all in all, just want to say thank you to each and every one of you guys for taking the time and, and, uh, really excited to continue moving this forward. We are committed to doing it every Friday. Um, it is a tall order, but we're really excited about it. And we, you know, like I said, it's our fifth time. Um, so if you found this valuable, if you want to share with any other friends, bring them along. Then the day we're just trying to develop an awesome community working together. So thank you everybody. Have an awesome Friday and yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.